0: Ladies and gentlemen of the Kaiju Weekly Podcast, this is your Michael 2.0 speaking. Here you can hear the exotic Travis blowing his nose. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Kaiju Weekly, the weekly podcast that introduces you to the wide world of giant monster movies. I am your host, Michael Hamilton, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Travis Alexander.
0: <laughs> Hi, guys. It's me, Travis. I have decided to let Michael take the control of our podcast for the foreseeable future.
1: Yeah, I know Michael. Michael always complains about not ho- not uh, introing the episode and our, <laughs> our episodes enough. So here we go. <laughs> right? Um, oh, if that. Sorry, new listeners, for my for confusing you. Um, but my co-host Michael uh, is not with us this week. He is taking a much deserved break for a couple of weeks, and uh, we've got a I've got uh, a uh, co-host a special co-host on today, and it is Elijah.
0: Yes. Hi, guys. I'm actually surprised after that backhand review I gave you guys last week, you let me on.
1: Yes. Okay. Now let's talk about this. I'm glad that you brought that up because, because <laughs> even, even our guest at the time, uh, Destiny, uh, AKA Hi- Kaiju Hime said, that's, that sounds kind of like a backhanded compliment i'm like yeah it does doesn't it
0: (laughs) okay let me explain my madness so travis can you tell me the copyright uh contract for king kong versus godzilla oh no (laughs) exactly so like you guys are knowledgeable and I love listening and learning these new facts. But you're not like those know it alls of like the King Kong copyright is zero zero dash five four twenty
1: Okay, I got <gotcha>. you. <laughs> I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. No, I mean we we took no offense uh, from it because uh, I fully admit, like, yeah, yeah. We I I don't know my stuff. Um, I was I was listening to a podcast um, the other day, one of the ones I listen to on a regular basis, and they were doing a trivia, uh, like a giant monster trivia thing. And I'm like, man, I should know more of these answers, but I don't. <laughs> like that's bad. <laughs> like, I,
0: I I think uh, you guys know enough. I think you can hold your own in a uh, Jeopardy round.
1: Yeah, yeah i don't know i don't know the, our our main goal in this podcast is to have fun and enjoy what we're doing so whether we know every little detail about a movie or not uh we just as long as we're having fun and as long as listeners are having fun listening to us
0: well speaking as one i am so you gotta <laughs> keep it up
1: i'm i'm glad i'm glad well let's go ahead and jump into the news for this week and we will cue the bdbd beady beady. we didn't have any news for a while and so i was going to fill in this space with some uh filler but then some news dropped over the weekend and we decided hey there's some things that we can talk about so let's talk about them um First thing I wanted to talk about is we have a very special event coming up later on this month in what just uh just two weeks, less than two weeks when this episode goes out called Kaiju Quarantine 3 Endgame. <laughs> <laughs> um for new listeners or people who are not aware, back in April of this year when the COVID-19 stuff started and people were getting kind of depressed because of lockdowns and um, uh, quarantines and everything, I decided to reach out to some of my friends who were podcasters and said, hey, can we do a movie marathon to kind of lift everyone's spirits to make them feel a little bit better and to kind of give that camaraderie, especially since a lot of our uh, cons, our conventions and our festivals were canceled, and so we threw together a special movie marathon which went for two days the first time in April, uh, called Kaiju Quarantine, and then we did another Kaiju Quarantine in Ju- July, June. We did it in June, uh, June.
0: yeah, June. June, June,
1: June, uh, called Kaiju Quarantine Trash Mountain, which was absolutely epic. If you guys missed out on it, I am so sorry. Uh, I'm so sorry for you, and I'm so sorry that you weren't able to join in because it was some of the most fun I've ever had watching movies. Just absolutely ridiculous. Um, And so we're going to do another Kaiju Quarantine. We're going to complete the trilogy and finish off Kaiju Quarantine with the end game and we're going to cover the best of the best kaiju movies at least how we feel uh what we feel are the best of the best and it's going to be one day only and it's going to be october 17th and that is on a saturday and we're going to start at 10 in the morning right 10 in the morning Yeah. yeah i don't have the schedule right in front of me um 10 in the morning uh and that's central standard time and we're going to be going for a while. We're going to be covering movies like Godzilla 2000, Gamera 3, Revenge of Iris, uh, War of the Gargantuas, Destroy All Monsters, and uh, many more. Well, not many more. Like three more? <laughs> or four more. Uh, but anyway. Uh, so, uh, you guys can check out our social medias. Uh, you can check out the Kaiju, uh, Kaiju Weekly Twitter. You can check out uh kaiju conversations that's elijah's um podcast and twitter uh you can check out all of that to see who's involved and what movies we are going to be reviewing or not reviewing but watching at what time and we've got some of our you know podcasting friends involved again
0: yeah definitely and i'm just going to throw out this little teaser so um I was privileged to be the one compiling the playlist for this special occasion, and I have tried to track down the versions that we don't typically see. Um, I think the one that, Travis, we've been very vocal is the colorized version of King Kong 1933.
1: Yes. Yes. Because that is something that I didn't even know existed until we started talking about it. Um, So, yeah, yeah, we're
0: my my goal has been give everybody something new but familiar. And then I nobody knows what this is. But at the end of the stream, there is a special short video for everybody to enjoy that I will keep private. And this is actually the first time I've actually spoken about it publicly, but I highly recommend tuning in for at least Destroy All Monsters.
1: Yeah, so we're looking forward to it. Not not all of the podcasts that were involved before uh, were able to be involved this time around, uh, but we're hoping to get as many of them involved as we can. We know we've got me and Michael from Kaiju Weekly. We've got Elijah. We know we've got uh, Nathan, Monster Island Film Vault. We know we've got, um, who else? We've got the guys from Giant Monster BS. Um, we've got, uh, at least one of the members of Monsters vs. Men, maybe Mm -hmm. both, not sure. Um, but yeah, so we're, we're going to have a lot of fun and who knows, we may have some special guests pop in here and there throughout the stream. So, it is yeah. definitely worth tuning in. Stay tuned for more information on it. And uh, you can also find the link to the uh, Discord where we are streaming it because it's all done on Discord uh, in the description of this episode and also on our Twitters. All right. So let's move into some some of our regular news. Uh, we had a new trailer for Monster Hunter uh, drop. And we also had a synopsis for this. Now, this I have—we've heard this movie was coming uh, because this was announced a a ways back. But now we have a a, an official synopsis and an actual trailer for it. So let me read the synopsis, and then we can talk about uh, our thoughts on the trailer. Uh, When an unexpected sandstorm transports Lieutenant Artemis, who is played by Mila Jovovich, and her unit, which is played by T.I. Harris, Megan Good, and Diego Bonetta, I think is how you say his name? Yeah. Diego Bonetta. Bonetta. Uh, to a new world, they're transported to a new world, the soldiers are shocked to discover that this hostile and unknown environment is home to enormous and terrifying monsters immune to their firepower. In their desperate battle for survival, the unit encounters the mysterious hunter, Tony Jaa, uh, played by Tony Ja, whose unique skills allow him to stay one step ahead of the powerful creatures. So the trailer that we got and this, uh, this is coming in December, by the mm-hmm. way, is what it said. Um, what are your thoughts on the trailer for monster hunter?
0: Now, uh, this is that 15 second one, right? Just um, mm.
1: Yeah. It wasn't very okay. long.
0: Yeah. Um, so as a person that doesn't, I, I honestly, until people I heard start talking about this, I didn't know monster hunter was a thing. Um, so I, I, I've seen a lot of people like be upset about the time period it set in question mark. Um, so I'm not too sure, but the monster looks cool. Um, from what I've been uh, from the synopsis, it sounds interesting. Um, and I'm really excited because this will be the monster hunter. I think is the only other major blockbuster coming out this year except for Tenet that already came out
1: Mm -hmm. right yeah because everything else got pushed um mm -hmm. pushed back uh yeah I'm interested I mean they're they're talking about this December release I was very surprised that it was coming out this year at all Mm -hmm. um this is uh also directed by Paul W.S. Anderson is that what I think uh yes that's yeah and I'm like you. I had no idea. Well, I knew that Monster Hunter was a video game. I knew at least that much. And I'm not a big video game person. Like I, I just I don't play a lot of video games, so I'm not super familiar with it, other than I know they have really huge and crazy weapons like swords and daggers and things like that. And they fight monsters that kind of resemble mutated dinosaur things, and that's that's as far as I know as far as the video game is concerned i so I can't speak to how accurate this is to the video game, but it the trailer looks okay it mm-hmm. looks it looks along the lines of like a transformers movie, yes, yes. um, which if nothing else will kill an hour and a half to two hours or three because uh Transformers movies are so long um, in, <laughs> in a theater, you know, and, and, and it'll give you a spectacle that you can enjoy watching. Like it, it, they're not, they're not supposed to be Oscar winners. They're not supposed to be great, great things. And, and, and we're talking about Mila Jovovich who for the last, oh, how long, like 15 years has been doing nothing but, uh, um, resident evil sequels. So I don't expect much from this movie. Right. But it does look interesting. The monster that they did show, which is just one of the monsters that's in the, that's in the game and in the movie, uh, looks decent. And I'm okay with us having another monster movie this year, because since we didn't get Godzilla versus Kong, uh, it's nice that we have another monster movie to, to watch. I mean, we've got, this will only be the third monster movie we've had this year. And they're all, they're all kind of like left of center, weird monster movies that we've had this year. We've had, um, underwater. We've had, uh, loving, and, loving and monsters, which is coming out. I think this week or next week. And then we've got this one. So Yeah. It's it's interesting that this that without Godzilla vs. Kong we've had these kind of filler monster movies for lack of a better way of describing them. <laughs>
0: right. You know, looking over the synopsis, I don't know if you've seen pre- uh, any of the Predator movies, but mm-hmm. I feel like I'm gonna feel like this is Predators. You know, where they drop all the right, yeah, 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 people into the Predator world. I feel like that is going to be what Monster Hunter is for me. It's there. It exists. It's it takes up x amount of time, like you said, and it'll be that.
1: Yeah, I mean, ultimately, movies like the, movies can do a lot of things. They can make you think about things. They can give you themes. They can uh, you know give you messages that are very important to the the audience and also the creator but bottom line a movie's main goal and main job is to entertain. and so if Thank you're entertained you. then it's done its job. so uh we'll have to wait and see when this comes out if it's entertaining and if i can convince michael uh to to <laughs> watch it then we may be reviewing it on the podcast when it comes out.
0: hey man listen if michael is like no i i'll I'll be on uh, same with Power Rangers. I'll I'll buy all the Power Rangers stuff just to be on.
1: Oh man! If you <laughs> if you replaced Michael in a Power Rangers episode, he would never speak to me again, and it would be hilarious. Be like, oh, yeah, because he is such a huge Power Rangers fan. And, uh, like, I thought I was a Power Rangers fan. He's a huge Power Rangers fan. And uh, at least Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. And if I, like, told him, it's like, oh, no, you're not going to be on this episode. I've got another guest on. Oh, man, he would kill me. He would murder me. (laughs) Uh, So uh, we've got the announcement that coming in May of 2021 – is a comic book collection that is collecting three of the Godzilla series in one place. It's, it's a compendium. It's called Godzilla Unnatural Disasters, and it's going to be collecting Godzilla Legends, Godzilla in Hell, and Rage Across Time. And the retail price right now is set for $29.99. So Elijah are you a comic book reader and have you read any of these uh series these Godzilla series
0: so I am a slowly up-and-coming comic book collector um I've got a few issues from the original Marvel Godzilla run um I've been I've got a list on my phone of everything I need so I do buy comics Mm -hmm. um I will be picking this up probably, but all this is is just another copy of these issues I will be getting because I am a completionist and I must have every cover.
1: Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you love doing that. Yeah, um, I have read um, some of these. I have not read Godzilla in Hell. I have heard it's really good, but I haven't read it. Um, uh, I have read part of Rage Across Time uh, and Legends. So this is just a collection and they, every once in a while they will do this for certain series. Um, and it just so happens that it's Godzilla this time around. And so that's why we're, we're uh, talking about it. But, uh, yeah, so there's nothing new as far as I know going into it, maybe some, you know, like art Mm. or some like, uh, you might, you might get some like uh, an interview with like some of the writers or artists and and talking about their process in, in doing these but uh, in these collected editions there's usually not anything special. It's just a way of getting all of these issues in one place right. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, it's it, it's great if you've never read these and you don't already own them. It's definitely great to be able to pick all of these up at one time in one place.
0: I will say this, and this is going to be, be me being a negative Nancy. Um, This compendium, if if you've stayed up to date, they've done it for Rulers of Earth. They've done Kingdom of Monsters. This is mm-hmm. basically IDW saying, we're done. Here, Here's all of our comics for Godzilla in collections. We're done. Um, um
1: I, I I I wouldn't say it's them saying they're done. It's more of like this these series are complete and we're not following those timelines or that, you know, it's not like they're never going to do another Godzilla comic. Um, because they have done the same thing with the Transformers comics. They have put out compendiums and complete editions uh, for a lot of their IDW, you know, their their uh, Transformers comics, and they're still making Transformers uh, comics. They're still doing Transformers sure. comics. Uh, it's more of along the lines of you know this particular. Uh, arc this particular storyline or this particular run of of this franchise of the series that we're doing is complete we're going to put out a completed edition of it and then we're moving on to something new with the characters or the franchise so i mean yeah if I,
0: ivw did more that would be amazing um two of the have- Three of these are really good, so I I would be down if they could do more in the future.
1: Yeah, uh, I I like what IDW has done with Godzilla with the Godzilla comics. I think they're they have done some really great stuff. I don't think we've had a new Godzilla comic since like twenty sixteen. I think is when.
0: I think you're right. Oh. It, it, it's Aftershocks twenty nineteen.
1: Well well aftershock is um that's that's uh that's not from oh, IDW. Oh, wait, yeah, you're right,
0: you're right. Um, yeah, that's from
1: I um that's from uh um
0: legendary.
1: What? Legendary, yeah. I don't know why I was blanking on the name. <laughs> um yeah, Legendary was put out that comic on their own. Uh mm-hmm. yeah, so we haven't had any new comics from IDW, but as far as I know, and as far as what I have heard from people Uh, who have worked for some of these comic book companies idw does still have the license to to godzilla uh i just don't know if they're doing anything with it if there's any plans to do anything with it um because like like we said legendary has their own comics that they're putting out so i i don't know i don't know what idw is planning on doing with the with the license
0: that's actually interesting. I didn't know because I thought they had lost the rights, but huh.
1: mm, not that I've heard. Uh, I I've heard. Uh, I haven't heard anything about IDW losing losing the license. Now IDW has lost some licenses to some things, um, right. and I know that I think IDW was also trying to get the license for Ultraman at the time. Uh, from from Suburaya, and then Marvel comes in with the big bucks and says, no, we want it. And then of course, you know, IDW gets pushed off to the side. Um, not saying that that's necessarily a bad thing. we w- me and Michael did record an episode, uh, a bonus episode that I will be putting out soon of us reviewing the Marvel rise of uh, Ultraman number one. Um, but yeah, so I haven't heard anything about idw losing the losing the license. Hmm.
0: I do know, and this might be why IDW hasn't done anything. Um, from all I've heard, trying to work with Toho with those comics is pulling teeth. Um, mm. I, I if I remember right, Matt Frank gave the uh, example of he was drawing Godzilla's face and he had to send it to Toho. And mm-hmm. wait on them to approve it. And they would say the nose needs to be larger. And then he would mm-hmm. have to make the nose larger. And send it in. And they'd say it needs to be smaller. And it's just a long, tedious, mm-hmm. not really worth it process.
1: Yeah, I think that's probably the bottom line on why IDW IDW hasn't done anything with the Godzilla license um, recent, in recent years. Like in the last Four or five years, um, mm-hmm. is because I think that the 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 just the hassle may not be worth it, and they just may not feel like it's a it's worth the money, and so they're just holding on to the license until it runs out because you know they they can, uh, and and so yeah, uh, I'd hate to see that because like I said, I did I do love what IDW has done with Godzilla uh, in the past, so. Who knows? We may get something. Who knows if this compendium sells well? Then maybe that'll tell IDW that they need to do more Godzilla comics. Who knows? Right. Who knows? Um, so yeah, but that's that's coming in May. So if anybody's interested in picking that up or pre-ordering it, uh, check it out online. You can do that. Uh, we've just got a little bit of figure news. Um, SH Figure Arts is putting out their uh, figures for Common Rider Saber, which is the current, ongoing Common Rider series that's on right now. Uh, pre-orders start this week, and you can order, you can pre-order their Common Rider Saber and their Common Rider Blades, which are the two main riders of the series. That's the red one and the blue one. Uh, for people who are not familiar with the series but may have seen images of them so if anybody is interested in figures and interested in common Rider figures in particular you can pre-order those figures from SH Figure Arts and then the only other bit of news I want to talk about is Kaiju Masterclass now this was an online event that was happening this weekend uh we've had some they had some special guests. They had, oh, it's just amazing guests, just mind-blowing guests yeah. on there. Uh, our friends over at Kaiju Transmissions were involved in organizing this and hosting it. And uh yeah, uh Michael wrote up a little bit about the the event and was going and, and I told him I would read it out. If he wrote you know some some notes about it, I would read it out on the podcast. So these are Michael's notes from the Kaiju Masterclass uh, live streams that happened over the weekend. So, he says, Kaiju Masterclass got off to a great start over the weekend, starting on Friday evening with introductions and discussions from the organizers. Saturday's festivities have been a blast and super interesting. Some notable discussions were from Bob Eggleton, famous Kaiju illustrator, Bear McCreary that sat down to talk about the score for King of the Monsters, Norman England discussing his upcoming independent film and book, and capping off Saturday night was an interview with director for GMK and the Gamera Trilogy, Shusuke Kaneko. Uh, There was a lot more from that day, but those are the ones that Michael was able to catch. I'll be following up, still Michael, he'll be following up on the rest of the panels later this week after they have all been posted to YouTube. So, yeah, it's... all of it was super fascinating. The guests that they had on and the stuff that they were able to talk about was just amazing. I cannot believe they were able to organize something so just I, prestigious is not really the word I, I'm is not. I, I I don't know what else word to use, but prestigious is the only word that's come into my mind. Uh, but just, oh, man, the amount of, of work that went into this. We really have to applaud all of the people who were involved in Kaiju Masterclass and what all they were able to do.
0: Mm -hmm. Most definitely.
1: Um, Michael continues his um, notes. He says, it's a fully stacked online convention, so it's been really hard to keep up with everything honestly and for me too that's why i'm letting him do all the talking on this because i had a hard time keeping up with everything that was going on for it um a few comments in the live chat have said it was better than g fest which could be due to the surrounding controversy which we're not going to get into that involves g fest g fan but there's no denying that Kaiju Masterclass has been so far, because we're recording this on Sunday, so we haven't actually uh, seen what they've done for Sunday yet, um, has, received very, uh, has been received very well by the entire giant monster community. 2020 has been a really unconventional pun intended, uh, unconventional (laughs) year, to say the least. Uh, Kaiju Masterclass is just another testament to what can be accomplished when a band of giant monster nerds and content creators put their passions together to make something truly special for the fans. We know it can't replace the energy of a true in-person con, but for now, events like Kaiju Masterclass and Kaiju Conline are the next best thing. And that is that, well said, Michael.
0: Yes. Now real quick, I wanna say I forgot it was I thought it was Saturday. <laughs> <And> thank <laughs> you for thank you for reminding me it's actually Sunday
1: yeah it's sunday oh man yeah i know my this week i i've been saying this for like the last three weeks but this week has been crazy um this whole month month and a half has been kind of crazy for me
0: (laughs) and it's only been four days into the month
1: i know i know (laughs) well last month and now we're getting into this month has been kind of crazy um yeah, we've got some some things I'm working on behind the scenes. We've got stuff going on in my personal life, Michael's personal life and stuff. So, we've just got a lot going on. So, um as far as stuff that we're working on behind the scenes, you will hear about that at a future time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, we just really want to applaud the people who were who were involved in Kaiju masterclass for putting on such an amazing event something that i mean even though it was online it wasn't in person it just the the amount of guests and what they were able to do just rivals any of the you know in person cons uh and it's great that they were able to do that at a time when we had no other way of getting things like this you know there was no cons this year there's no festivals this year so uh right. absolutely great if you guys listeners were able to catch anything on kaiju masterclass uh kaiju masterclass, uh, make sure to email us or message us and let us know what what did you find interesting about kaiju masterclass. I'd love to talk to you guys about it. Um and make sure to give plenty of love to the people. Like I said, we know that our friends, uh over at Kaiju transmissions had a big hand in organizing it, but also all of the wonderful guests that they had, make sure to give them a lot of love and attention and follows on Twitter and social media. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So that's going to do it for the news. Let's jump into our main topic. And I feel like we've been recording for way too long already on the news. (laughs) I am going to have to edit the news down a lot. (laughs) Um, So we always like to ask trivia questions to hint to what our movies are each week. And we like to give shout outs to anybody who will answer our trivia question, whether they get it right or not. So I'm going to read out those shout outs right now. The trivia question we asked last week was what monster movie that premiered the same year as Godzilla has a 100% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes? So, Michael <laughs> Hamilton sent us in a response and he made sure to include it in the show notes. Otherwise, I would have left it out. <laughs> <laughs> uh he said for Which for
0: or for Nope,
1: No, for because it is the Latin uh family species whatever you want to call it uh, uh name for ants
0: my mind so, is blown
1: yep that's the <laughs> it's the scientific i say it's the scientific name for ants huh. so yeah that's that's what that is uh jimmy from nasa sent us in notzilla uh, not Zilla is actually a movie that I do want to r- review on this podcast at some point, but it definitely did not come out the same year that Godzilla came out. <laughs> it was, a, it came out just fairly recent. Uh, but that's a funny answer. We always love the funny answers. Uh, and then Madison Russell on Twitter sent in surprise that rotten tomatoes would give them. Hey, uh, such a high rating. Um, and that's something I want to talk, touch on just real quick just real quick. Rotten Tomatoes is an aggregator. most people know this, but just to clarify, Rotten Tomatoes did not give this movie that we're reviewing this week 100%. They gathered up all of the reviews and' we're, in this particular case we're talking about critics reviews and they you know measured the positivity in in whatever you know they gave a, a, a number to the positivity of each um, review. And then they added all of that together. And then that's what Rotten Tomatoes scores are. So Rotten Tomatoes, people like to blame Rotten Tomatoes for a lot of things. Rotten Tomatoes doesn't do anything other than just gather everyone's reactions and put a general number on what the you know critics' reactions and audiences' reactions to films are. Right. So I think that 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 needs to that needs to be made more clear, so that people will stop blaming rotten. Oh, excuse me. Will stop blaming Rotten Tomatoes for everything. <laughs> 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 um, Kaiju Kim on Twitter said them, uh, which is the right answer. Thank you, uh, Kaiju Kim. Monster Island Film Vault sent in they. Close, but no cigar. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Got your pronouns a little messed up there, Nathan. (laughs) Patrick Webb sent in The Thing. Not quite, but thank you for participating. And then uh, Mark Mancini sent in Them Maybe. He, and then this was my favorite response for this week, I gotta say, Mark Mancini, because he also said, I know it had horror fans shivering with ant <laughs> I love that
0: one. That is Which, a great reply.
1: It is not only <laughs> is it a great pun... But also, he included a GIF of uh, uh, from Rocky Horror Picture Show, and <laughs> in the song "Sweet Transvestite" in there, he says, "I see you shiver with anticipation. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, it like it just made me think of. It. So, yeah, I love it on all levels, Mark. Thank you so much for sending that. That was my favorite one. Uh, Chris deggle said it's either the big ants or the Gill Man. It's definitely one of those. Um, Smith Wesson said them. So thank you very much. Damon Noyes uh, said, uh, who's also King Kaiju 8 on Twitter, said them, them, them. <laughs> <laughs> it's just such a good scene in the movie. Like, it's so iconic. It is. Uh, Toho Movie Quotes sent in. Not a kaiju film, but another movie with a 100% score on Rotten Tomatoes and a Toho production is Seven Samurai. That is true. Seven Samurai has a 100% score on Rotten Tomatoes, but it is not Seven Samurai that we're talking about this week.
0: Unfortunately. Even Unfortunately. Though I, I, can't, I can't pick ones, which one is better. They're both really...
1: Oh, Seven Thanks. Samurai. Oh, Seven Samurai. <laughs> well, besides, I mean, it's it's long, so it's, like, it's it's really hard if you're not used to, like, the a foreign film, especially a black and white film, to sit through how long it is. But it is so worth it. This is such a good movie. If I could pivot this podcast for, like, a month or two to just doing, like, Japanese black and white films... I would totally do that because I love so many old Japanese black and white films.
0: You should do Akira Kurosawa. I think that is perfectly fine for a kaiju podcast to do. Akira Kurosawa.
1: It's, yeah. I mean, it's not monster related, but without Akira Kurosawa, we wouldn't have some of the monsters. I mean, Akira Kurosawa, he was there and making films even before Ishiro Honda was making films like i like you know and and so yeah i i would love to be able to do those so maybe maybe who knows we may have a special one
0: you could always be like yo uh Yojimbo has uh marisu sato doing the score he did godzilla it's included you know pulling pulling those uh strings very tightly to get it on you know (laughs)
1: Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, And then I also want to give a shout out real quick to Will Harberth, who also said them, which is the correct answer for the movie that we are doing this week is Them from 1954. It's part of our Creepy Crawlers month. We were talking about this before we started recording, but October was supposed to be our Creepy Crawler theme month, so we were going to do uh, movies that were set around giant bugs. Uh, it ended up being just Creepy Crawler two weeks because, or half a month, because we've got special stuff coming up at the end of this month, so we're only getting two weeks of Creepy Crawler month, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll do another Creepy Crawler month next year. <laughs> uh, the cast list for this movie, it was directed by Gordon Douglas, stars James Whitmore, James Whitmore, uh, Edmund Gwyn, Joan Weldon, James Arness. And then the plot breakdown is, The earliest atomic tests in New Mexico cause common ants to mutate into giant man-eating monsters that threaten civilization. So, getting into our opening thoughts on this movie. Elijah, what are your opening thoughts on them?
0: okay so real disclaimer so technically speaking without this film i may have not been born oh yeah you
1: told me about this what okay you gotta explain this okay
0: (laughs) so my grandparents met a long time ago (laughs) um when they were five and six and at that time they couldn't date but in 1954 they started dating and the first film my grandfather took my grandmother to go see on an official date was them so if they had not gone to see that movie there is a slim chance back to the future style i could have never been born
1: See, see you put this out into the universe so if any of your enemies ever develop a time machine now they know at what point to go to actually I know, right? I know, it's right? like, you shouldn't put it out there
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh
0: yeah. man but um i i really enjoy this movie i remember when i first saw it i was actually at a hospital sitting in a waiting room um and when I saw it, I saw the scene where the ant popped out and attacked our main female protagonist. Um and that scene just kind of it it drew me into the film. So ever since that point, it was like, I gotta watch this. And I I love the ending. It, everything mm-hmm. about it was just kinda it it was really Awesome because giant ants, you know, at that time when I was that young when I saw it, I was like, "Oh, giant! It's giant ants! It's so cool!" Um, Mm -hmm. and uh, I I appreciate it even more now once I actually started diving into the production behind the film. Kind of interesting how they, how difficult it was to actually make this film, but I don't want to get into too many analytics. Um, at least not yet. Just my opening thoughts here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I loved the idea behind this film and I loved seeing it, um, just tell its story in front of me.
1: Yeah. Uh, this, this is a really great film. This is an iconic film. Most people who aren't even familiar with giant monster movies may be familiar with this movie because it is, it is an iconic, uh, um, you know, of that era the 50s kind of b-movie uh era now i as far as opening thoughts i do really enjoy this movie i have some issues with it um but but i i do really enjoy this movie i think it's iconic for a reason um i also found out when i was doing research on it this is the first giant bug movie that uh that we had, especially, oh, I, I, I'm guessing ever, but um, yes. especially in America, this was the first giant bug movie. And so this really kicked off a, a, a trend because you have kind of that sub genre, like you have your giant monster movies, but then you also have the sub genre of just giant bugs. And this is the one that started it all. So whether or not this movie is good, which we will get into some of our likes and dislikes, the fact that it, it was a pioneer in so many ways, uh, it means it needs, you know, it needs that recognition. Mm
0: -hmm. Most Uh, definitely.
1: Yeah. So let's get into some likes and dislikes about this movie. So let's, we, we always, on this podcast, we like to do, uh, uh, positivity sandwiches, which means we start with some positives, we throw in some negatives and then we end on some positives. So, so let's start with some likes. What are some things that you really liked about this movie?
0: Well, um, so one thing, and this is just a minor detail. So the film is all in black and white, right? Mm -hmm, Right. Um, It was actually originally supposed to be in color and 3D. I learned this Mm -hmm. uh, recently. But the opening title sequence, the title is actually in color. And that always stood out to me, and I really like that aspect because that's just like a minor detail. But it's uncalled for and kind of different than most of these 50s B-movies had Um, so that was a huge standout point for me for some reason Um, another one is the ants themselves Um, other than one shot like the ants look pretty good I mean they look a little robotic but other than that like they they look great Um, and I just love how they're portrayed in this film uh, especially their, uh, the sound effects. I oh, yeah. love that. That is iconic. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that yeah. aspect. And I love the final act. I, that's, I think that's really the big highlight of the film is that final act where they kill all the ants eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, I really love that. It, that's my favorite part by far.
1: Yeah, you know, on this on this podcast, we've talked about um, the Harryhausen movies and the Mm -hmm. very and and Willis O'Brien too, the very special type of filmmaking that they pioneered with their stop motion uh, effects and and all of the challenges that went into that. We don't really talk a lot about the challenges that come with such gigantic puppets. Mm -hmm. Like they had in this because like, yeah, you can say, well, they were cheesy for the time period. You know, they weren't, uh, you know, they're of their time, but the challenges that comes with operating a 12 foot giant ant on set, like this isn't a, a miniature that you're filming from, you know, far away on a miniature set that makes it look big. This is, they actually built a 12 foot ant. They actually built three 12 foot, ants. Um and the so of course that's gonna have its own challenges and that is amazing filmmaking in my mind. Uh you know, especially in the 1950s, the fact that they were that they were able to pull that off and that it looked it looked decent. Like yeah, it's still it, it is of its time. It's not quite up to modern day standards, but it doesn't matter because it was able to they were still able to be scary. Mm -hmm. in those moments like the like those big ants and i I think that them being insects and not having um anthropomorphized features that you might get in some other um monsters really helps Mm -hmm. to sell Mm -hmm. them being so scary because they're almost like these faceless monsters uh yeah i the the when i was watching this movie today and i've watched this movie before but but watching it today i kept thinking Man, I I was just, I'm like picking out all of the movies that were inspired by this. Like you, you watch this movie and you can see the inspiration that uh, went into Tremors. You can Mm -hmm. see things like there's a, there's a scene where they're taking flamethrowers to the egg chamber and they're trying to destroy the eggs before a queen hatches. And it's like, this screams aliens,
0: aliens. I got goosebumps from that.
1: (laughs) Like it really, it screams aliens. And so I'm, you know, and and James Cameron being such a huge um, movie fan, of course, because of being a director, you kind of have to be a movie fan. But just knowing how much of a monster movie fan he he was, and, you know, uh, I can imagine that he did take inspiration from this scene. Uh, And it's just, it's amazing to me. You can pick out all of the movies that this, this movie helped inspire. Um, There is a scene. There's a few iconic moments. We talked about the girl screaming them. Uh, That is a really iconic moment. Probably the most iconic moment in this movie to me is when the ant comes out from its burrow area, you know, uh, hive, whatever you would call it, the hill. uh, And it's carrying a human rib cage and it's, yeah. jaw and it drops it and as the as the the rib cage rolls down the hill you see other skeletons surrounding it you know human skeletons to show that they have killed a lot of people and that's where all the people have gone missing uh, that's where they went and that is such an effective horror moment that it's like it even stands up to the test of time to like it's effective even now in a modern setting uh, and something interesting about that scene is it was listed on Bravo, the Bravo uh TV channel had years ago its 100 scariest movie moments, and uh, that moment that scene was number 72 because it was huh. a, a really scary moment, it was a moment of true horror, uh, in this 50s B movie about giant ants,
0: <laughs> right? <laughs> um, um yeah, go ahead. I was actually gonna bring up you you were talking about the ants. Did you know that this film got an Oscar nomination for best special effects?
1: No, I actually didn't see that in my research. I was doing research and I didn't see that part. That yeah. it makes sense because it, it was it is really good. Cause you're talking about this is this is pre godzilla Like this movie came out the same year that Godzilla came out. So this is before even the big tokusatsu suitmation boom that happened after that in right. in japan so this is at a time period when when doing huge special effects like that is not they don't they don't do it all the time because it, it is it is very expensive and so the fact that they did that and it's also not just expensive but it's difficult to pull off so the fact mm-hmm. that they put the effort into it it just it it did pay off in this movie they look fantastic the scene where the the ants are revealed for the first time you know you have the mm-hmm. the um um what's her name uh, joan weldon uh sitting there uh you know looking at one of the 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 uh prints one of the claw prints that the ants left behind And then over the hill, this giant ant head just pops up. And it's just such a fantastic scene. So, yeah, it totally makes sense that this would win an Oscar.
0: Yeah, Um, definitely.
1: Let's – I I did want to talk about that. I already brought up how this movie came out the same year that Godzilla came out. Now, when I was watching this, as much as I love – uh, classic b movies from the fifties american b movies um you can't you can't get around the fact that this movie does not really come close to uh the quality that Godzilla had. Mm-hmm. Like, like what what Ishiro Honda and what what uh, and what all of the ones who were involved in making that original Godzilla movie, what they were able to pull off was something that no one was able to do, and no one could could do besides them. I I, mm-hmm. I really think that. And I was sitting here watching this movie, and I was trying to put my finger on what exactly is it that makes Godzilla and the movies that they made. So different from the American monster movies that were made at the same time. How how come they are so different? How what what is that X factor that 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 they had in Japan that they didn't have in America? And it finally hit me. It's like, well, duh, because you're talking about making movies about monsters that are mutated by atomic radiation, you know, from uh, the after effect of nuclear the after effect of nuclear weapons and in Japan it's made by people who experienced the after effects of nuclear weapons <laughs> firsthand. So it's like that's the X factor, of course. It just finally hit me and I was like, oh duh, that's that's really what it is. So yeah, you are missing that that uh, X factor that you get in like Godzilla, but that doesn't mean that this movie's not good at all this movie is excellent for, for, you know, the, as far as fifties monster movies go in America, this is definitely up there as one of the
0: best. Hmm. Oh, definitely. Um, actually I, I has, I was going to ask you a question. Uh, huh. where would you put this in giant bug movies? Where would you put this?
1: Oh, as far as other giant, uh, giant bug movies, this one is Hmm. top. I, 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 I can't think of another giant bug movie that I enjoy more than this one. Um, or if I do, I may enjoy it just for the cheesiness. But this one, mm-hmm. as far as like, like I said, like the horror part, of it, even if the effects are not up to today's standards, the horror and the the feelings that you get in the movie, like the the um they they keep this this urgency throughout the movie that they the that you feel from beginning to end. And so yeah, I, I think that I, I don't think there's another giant bug movie that I enjoy more than this one.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, I, the only other one I could think of that because no eff- like I love giant bug movies I, I can't get enough of the stupidity some of them have um, mm. but a lot of them are pretty cheap and the only other one I could think of that wasn't superimposed uh, bugs or really cheap looking special effects was the deadly mantis I think is the only one and even that had like a stock footage roar Um, Mm -hmm. to me it seems like them was the only I I mean it makes sense it was the first one of its kind but it feels like it was the most original before the giant bug craze really kind of became cliched
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Like I like uh, that's perfect way of describing it. This is the most original of all of them because this was because it was the original. Um, mm. Yeah. Uh, let's get into some negatives. Now, all of that praise that we had for this movie does not mean that it's without its flaws. I definitely had some issues with this movie, but what are some dislikes that you had for it?
0: Um. So this is my biggest issue with the film the acting like some of the lines mm-hmm. the way they read them off is very bland um now like the little girl she did great but mm-hmm. like at the beginning some of the police officers it's like oh we should go check over there mm-hmm. and it's it's very melodramatic. i think is the term
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah um, oh yeah it, it just feels kind of like it's missing that flavor that it kind
1: of... Yeah. um, My biggest complaints about this movie really just come from the fact that it's a 1950s movie. And, of course, you cannot change the fact this movie came out in the 1950s. You can't change the era that it came out. So, it's not. they're not huge complaints, and I'm not holding against the movie. But, you know, uh, of course, there's pacing issues... There's issues with the characters, like you were saying, the acting. I think the acting was okay, but some of the characters just really felt like they were unnecessary. And some of them were just like, there was no reason for them to even be there. Um, There's definitely a lot more scenes inside of boardrooms and, and meeting rooms. Um, and people <laughs> sitting at tables and desks than there are anything else in this movie. And that's just, a, of course, that's just of the of its era that is definitely something that was of its time period but it is annoying for me as a modern movie viewer to see it same thing with how the female scientist um Joan uh Joan Weldon's character is treated i totally get That This was in the 50s, so obviously this is definitely something that's going to be in these old movies. But if you watch more than one of these old-timey movies back-to-back, the amount of time that they spend wasting arguing about why a woman should or shouldn't be involved... Is so annoying because it's just Mm -hmm. like oh just stop arguing this already and get on with it right right it's like i I get why it was there but i also i'm just like if you watch more than one of these movies where they do that and you're just like sick of seeing them argue make the same argument every one of these movies i'm like just get on with it
0: (laughs) right um this it's gonna be a little callback to one of your other episodes but i was watching king kong just i think it was yesterday Mm-hmm. And uh, the opening when they're complaining, why do you need a woman and all that? I was like, Oh my God, just get on with it. Right. I, you know, cause that, that gets annoying after the 50th time in a movie.
1: Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I, I totally get why it was like that back then, not excusing it, but you know, also not, you know, not saying like, I, I, I get it. I get it. But from, as a modern movie viewer, it's just annoying. And especially Mm -hmm. since I came last week watching a movie that was all women. Well, you know, there was a few men, but like the main cast was all women and they were all scientists and they were all doing these amazing things. And then to watch this movie and just have someone complain about, oh, why should a woman – a woman shouldn't be here doing this. This is man's work. And it's just like, God, don't waste my time. I want to see the giant ants. Come on. Right, right.
0: Where's <laughs> I, I need my ants. Where's my giant ants? Right.
1: Um, the only uh, The only other thing that really just got under my skin was the documentary scene where they mm-hmm. just sit there and play like a whole documentary for these government people uh, in Washington, D.C., and it's just like that was the most boring stuff ever. It's like a, a high school science class in the middle of your movie, and I'm just like, ah, <laughs> again, right. get on with the giant ants. I just want to see the giant ants. <laughs>
0: yeah. Gee, I didn't know they recorded my science class.
1: Yeah, it's
0: so. Oh man, it was so.
1: It was so bad. Uh, and and not not knocking any of the any of the actors in it because like the some of the, these actors, some of these actors like James Whitmore, uh, James Arness, a lot of them, uh, Edmund Gwynn, of course, uh, a lot of them have done other things and they are amazing in other things and they're and, and they're not bad in this but it's just like you're way. so much of this movie is just wasting time in between the giant ant scenes and it's just yeah. like i'd rather not spend this time sitting here in a room with a bunch of guys sitting at a desk talking when i when you could be out showing all of these you know great uh you know, ant puppets and what they're doing,
0: <laughs> right? Definitely. Ow, I gotta adjust
1: here. Okay, I had to adjust in my chair. Um, but uh, we're going to throw some positivity back onto this. We're going to finish off our positivity sandwich with some positives. Let's talk about the conclusion of this movie, the actual oh. end of this movie because man when this movie finally gets to its end it does not hold back it is such a good conclusion to this movie
0: definitely that third act is so good
1: yeah uh. oh yeah it, it's so uh, the, the you like you have the tension of these boys that are missing and you don't know if they're alive or dead you know there's been plenty of people who have died from these uh, ants. And so they're like trying to search to make sure these boys aren't dead before they go in and actually kill off the ants. Then you have the tension of the people actually going down into the depths of the, of these tunnels with the ants and everything. And then you just have the all out ant attack military fighting off the ants. And it's just so fantastically done. It's so well. and, And, and you could tell even if it was done on a set, the fact that it was very claustrophobic, because mm-hmm. in the 1950s, they didn't really do a lot of claustrophobic um, things. They like to give you room to breathe and stuff. and The actors right. to move around did. Um, a lot of that comes from just the a lot of it was uh, coming from the theater, you know, the like the theater mindset mm-hmm. and then just uh, putting that onto film. So, you know, you tend to give your your. Uh, actors room to move and and act and emote whereas the scene where they're in the tunnels feels so claustrophobic and so small and so tight that it's just like uh, it's excellent it's so excellent another thing that's very unique to this film that wasn't done a lot in the 1950s especially in monster movies is having your character that you are following from the beginning of the film actually die on screen
0: Mm-hmm.
1: like they didn't do that a lot in these old monster movies right usually the hero the the character you've been following from the beginning is not the one that's going to die in the end but they they do it they show it and it's so it just like surprised me because I, I had seen this movie before but it's been a while and so when i watched it i was like oh oh yeah he was like the star of the movie, and he dies <laughs> right like it's just that's not done in these 50s monster movies so that was very surprising and very unique
0: and i think that kind of adds to the fact that the and you just mentioned it, it's unique this this film isn't a typical 50s b movie per se because it dis- it pulls the strings that definitely weren't the norm as people say back then mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah, oh. and, and it's so funny that this is done so early in the 50s because this was 54 and then you have another 6 years of movies doing the things that we associate with the 50s movies. When this movie could have set a trend, the things that people could have taken away from this in making other movies, they didn't. You know, we we still we stick to the trend of the hero doesn't die, they they stay alive through the whole thing and and it's just like you don't get uh, the things that made this movie unique uh they didn't learn from and 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 develop in other movies uh in that time period right and i think that's a shame um i was thinking about all the all of the scenes in the boardrooms and in the and, you know all of the all of the scenes of people just sitting around at a desk talking and i realized when i was you know writing my notes that i think that's why the blob I think that's why The Blob is my favorite American monster movie because it being, you know, set around teenagers, like as the main cat as the main characters mm-hmm. means you don't have those wasted times of them just sitting right. around desks talking and watching uh, videos about these, you know, these things like it's just, you know, like they're, they're out actively doing stuff. So I was like, yeah, that might be why I like the blob so much is because they, it doesn't have all of these, just boring scenes of people. And it's not just this movie, like uh, all of the movies from that time period were doing that. right? Uh, you know, even some of the Harry house movies that I love so much had that even Beasts for 20,000 fathoms had it. And uh, and so, yeah, it's just, it was a symptom of that time, but it just like, it just, it made me realize why I love the blob so much. <laughs> <laughs> um is there anything else that you want to uh talk about as far as positives anything you want to mention
0: um I don't I think I've pretty well you've you've kind of got me on everything I didn't mention so
1: <laughs> <laughs> well um do you have any fun facts that you'd like to share about this movie
0: I do actually all um, right it's funny you mentioned beast from 20 thousand fathoms. Because I found out that that film did so well. That's what led Warner Brothers to getting the rights to do this film. Ah. Um, ah. And speaking of getting the rights. It's because it's based off of a short story from George Yates. Um, which I didn't know. That's actually kind of interesting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. Um, uh-huh.
0: uh, you go ahead. I was going to say. And I want you to say some Because... I don't want to steal your thunder this is oh no white cast
1: um one of the fun facts that i really liked was that you never see more than three ants on screen at any uh given time and that's because they only made three um puppets so mm-hmm. they couldn't do more than three ants at any given time but even with just having the limitation of only having three made they still made you feel like, oh, yeah, there's a bunch of these things. Like, you never felt like there was only three ants. You still felt like there was hundreds or thousands of ants, you know, around that could have caused a lot of devastation.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, what I really love that you and the fact that you mentioned this is good. In the entire film, the only time it shows that they're fake is in one scene, there's a slight mistake that they show the metallic part, the, the you know the mechanics of the uh, uh, ant. However, mm-hmm. after the VHSs and laserdisc releases, they actually blurred that out. So now there isn't anything to prove, like oh these aren't real ants. So they did a great job actually covering the fact that these weren't real ants.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and you know, I mentioned the blob um, too. Uh, a connection this movie has with the blobs. One, uh, one of the actors who plays a drunk man in a um, in a ward. Uh, he is uh, his name. His real name is Olin Howland, uh, and he is the old man that's the first victim of the blob in the, in that movie. So this was a role that he had before he did the blob. So I just thought that was a neat connection to, uh, to another American monster movie. It's, it's like I said, it's really interesting how much this movie is connected to so many other things.
0: Like star Trek. Did you, did you read that Leonard Nimoy had an uncredited role in them?
1: Yes. Yes. Leonard Nimoy was in this movie, uh, when he was really young. And I thought that was interesting. So I, I didn't see what role he had, but I saw that he had a, a role in this when he was young.
0: Yeah. And I, I love that fact because I'm a Star Trek fan and when I read them like I love them even more now.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I know. I know. I'm I'm a huge Trekkie, too. So um I mean there's there's some other little uh uh there's some other little fun facts that I found, uh mostly, you know, mostly going uh through imdb and everything but uh that's majority of the the big ones that uh, i wanted to cover other than the sound that the giant ants make which is such a a unique sound such a it is a it is a terrifying sound because it is Mm -hmm. such a that high-pitched squeal that just kind of hits your spine and just makes you shiver um that sound actually was was taken from the bird voice tree frog Uh, of the southeastern U.S., uh, I am from the southeastern U.S., and I hear that sound all the time, so I know exactly (laughs) what that sound is. Um, and also, uh, you can also hear some uh, gray tree frogs thrown in there every once in a while, um, because the two types of frogs are heard a lot together. So that's that that's the sound that they use in making the sound that the ants uh, make in this film. Um, Yeah. So it's, uh, it's, it's interesting. And uh, the sound effects are used in other films, which I'm not going to spoil which films, because that's going to lead into our trivia question at the end of this, (laughs) at the end of this episode. So, uh, but yeah, that sound effect is used in other films as well. So, Um, uh, yes,
0: I, I just wanted to give one little fun fact that I think is really interesting. So Travis, did you know the film that we watched is not the original full cut of the film? No, I actually didn't know that. So, from what I found out, there is a scene that's two to three minutes that's been cut from the film because it was under a $200,000 lawsuit because it was using the name of a person that worked for the Rockefeller Foundation. Oh, wow. Wow and he sued them and he got them to take that out of the film so it's not the original version um, as far as i could tell
1: huh i wonder if that scene exists anywhere nowadays if like you can find it anywhere
0: from what i heard it was shown in theaters but i think they had to pull it from everything mm-hmm. that came out after so it might still be around but there may it might have just gotten destroyed by the deal, like the ruling the court had.
1: It might be another spider pit scene from King Kong, you know, gone the way of that, Uh, you know, where it got cut from the film and then destroyed. And now it's one of those just lost pieces of film that no one, no one can see and no one has, uh, no one alive, you know, has seen and can, you know, recreate perfectly mm-hmm. so yeah it's it's uh it's interesting it's it's interesting when stuff like that happens
0: yeah
1: um so let's get into our scores and our final thoughts for this movie so for anybody who is new to the podcast we like to review our movies or our score our movies out of five godzukes instead of five stars because we like to embrace the silly side of giant monster movies and we use we do that by using godzuki Godzilla's bumbling nephew from the Hanna-Barbera series, as our yardstick for measuring these movies. So, (laughs) Elijah.
0: uh, Sorry, just imagine Godzuki being used as a yardstick.
1: (laughs) It's like that meme that's on the internet. Americans will use anything as a unit of measurement, except for the metric system. (laughs) Even Godzuki's. (laughs) Um, So, uh, Elijah, out of five Godzukis, how many Godzukis do you give them from 1954? And what are your final thoughts?
0: Um, hmm. Final thought. let's Um, definitely. Okay, so the score, I would have to give three point five Godzukis. Okay. Um, the reason for that. Uh, as much as i do love this film it definitely has its issues and mm-hmm. um like i said the biggest part is some of the lines being read are kind of bland to me and that kind of takes me out of the amazing experience that the rest of the film is um i would give that last act of the film the th- the five stars by itself easily um or five godzukis excuse me like Gatsukis. <laughs> um so you know it, it's a really good film but it definitely comes with flaws and i think those flaws kind of ruin some of the film to me now i recommend it to anybody it, easily this film should be on everybody's view list at some point in their life um i think it yeah, i think it's gained enough of a amazing uh status that I think everybody you wouldn't be do, you'd be doing yourself a favor watching this and I feel like if you didn't you would miss out on something truly magical um because this was the first film of an entire genre basically of yeah. giant monster uh, giant sci-fi movies in general um mm-hmm. It was the thing from another world for bug movies. Um, yeah. It was the lost world of giant monster destroying uh, cities movies. And...
1: Yeah. And, and it's interesting that this movie is, uh, came out the same year that Godzilla came out because Godzilla kind of created its own genre with the suitmation tokusatsu uh, style of, of filmmaking and monster films. And this kind of created its own genre of, of of monster movies with giant bug movies
0: it did and i think that alone it should be well respected and it definitely deserves to be watched by everybody
1: yeah yeah, definitely. Um, before I get into my Godzuki score and additional thoughts, or final thoughts, um, Michael sent in his score for the movie. Uh, he didn't send in his final thoughts, he just sent in a score, and he said that he watched the film recently, and he scored it a 3.75 out of 5 Godzukis. Uh, now, as far as I'm concerned, I am going to give it 4 out of 5. So I'm not, you know, like pedantics it's like a 0.5 difference between all of mm-hmm. our scores it's not that big a difference but um my final thoughts I like to write them down so I'm just going to read out what I wrote down this film is an icon for a reason It is one of the best examples of radioactive mutant monster movies. It maintains a sense of urgency throughout and has moments of horror that hold up even to modern day standards. The problems I have with the movie have to do with the tropes of 50s American monster films in general. There is more time spent in meetings than on the creatures, and some of the side characters range from annoying to downright useless. Uh, And then, of course, the the message, which we didn't even touch on, but the message about the dangers of atomic bomb. And uh, nuclear fallout wasn't really talked about very much in this movie. It was kind of tacked on at the very end, um, which kind of takes away from the sting of that message. Uh, Again, comparing it to Godzilla, the message is so much better in Godzilla. Um, But despite its problems, it is a fun monster flick from the era and is fondly remembered for a reason. It absolutely should be watched by anyone who is a monster movie fan and anyone who wants to learn more about movie history, because so much, uh, like we were talking about, so many movies were inspired by this movie. Uh, So many other films and filmmakers were inspired by this, that I think you can't be a movie fan or or a movie learning about the history of movie making without going into a little bit about uh them and and what it did. Mm-hmm. So uh yeah, that was my final thoughts and our Godzuki scores. Um, so yeah, that's we're gonna close the book on them. Definitely one of my favorite American monster movies. Uh, not not quite at the level that, that the blob is, but it's up there. It's up there as one of my favorites. And we're going to go into the next segment of the podcast. And Elijah, do you happen to know what the next
0: segment is? Is it the mailbag?
1: It's the mailbag. What's in the mail today? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know what that's from, right? You know what the mailbag theme is?
0: I do not.
1: So the, the part where it says, what's in the mail today? That's taken from Bear in the Big Blue House. Which I count as a kaiju, and I expect to review it on the podcast <laughs> at some point because that is a gigantic bear. <laughs> um, and the music is actually taken from Godzilla Land, uh, the the animated uh, show, the mm-hmm. like kids show that had the Godzilla characters and stuff in it. So uh, yeah, that's what I pieced together to make the the mailbag theme.
0: <laughs> I love that theme. I I love every theme in this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, thanks.
1: Uh, So we have gotten a few letters from Jimmy from NASA, the intrepid producer of the Monster Island Film Vault podcast. And I have been skipping, well, not skipping over them, but we've had other letters to read out. So I've been reading out some other letters and he has sent us in a couple. So I told him I promised the next episode I was going to read out his letters Letter or at least one of his letters. Um, and you'll see how long it's been sitting in the mailbox uh, for a while because it's referencing an episode of ours that was from a few months ago. so yeah, uh so this is from Jimmy. He says to Travis and my former nemesis. I'm guessing he means Michael and not you, Elijah, so
0: uh,
1: I mean you're safe
0: you, if, if <laughs> I did something to you Jimmy, I mean I, I I still want to go see your garage, like please. I'm,
1: oh yeah. I'm, his garage is epic yeah so many great things so many great things um jet jaguar and i listened to your latest episode on 20 million miles to earth uh which was not our latest episode as of now but at the time was our latest episode Um, um we listened and he listened to it in my garage on monster island while installing new components to mechanicong As someone who visited Venus during the war in space, this is probably my favorite Harryhausen film. Not only that, I actually saw a Ymir in the wild on Venus. I can vouch that they are normally small and gentle creatures, although I heard rumors that a pack of them attacked some Messiah 13 Uh, alien soldiers on patrol. They are territorial little creatures. (laughs) Uh, You'll be happy to know, Travis, that there is one Ymir on the island. I promise he is treated much better than the one who first came in 1957. The scientists here don't want to repeat those mistakes. Not to mention the kaiju rights activists in uh, SCALE, S-C-A-L-E, have threatened to take over the island like they did the Gamma site 20 years ago if they hear of any abuse to the monsters. It's weird because the Ymir isn't even a terrestrial monster. Anyway, Travis, if you want, Nathan and I can add the Ymir to your tour itinerary for your visit in October, which I did, and that is coming up soon. Uh, so... Be, be prepared for that. My visit to Monster Island and my guest appearance on the Monster Island Film Vault uh, is coming up in a couple of weeks. Uh, and he continues, I might even be able to convince the board to let you sell your hashtag Justice for barragon shirts a la street vending with the digaholic around. We have ways of getting him to appear for tourists that may or may not involve live chickens. <laughs> Barragon loves his live chickens and his weird rubbery horses <laughs> uh anybody who doesn't get that you need to go watch frankenstein versus Barragon. that's a that's a great film um so he says see you next month sincerely jimmy from nasa intrepid producer of the monster island film vault podcast thank you jimmy for sending that over And I promise we will try to read out your emails sooner than what we have been doing um but surprisingly our mailbag has been getting a lot of attention lately but that doesn't mean we don't want more emails and more feedback from people so be sure to send your emails to kaijuweekly at gmail.com and you can have your letter read out just like jimmy and just like elijah has had his letters read out in the past uh so please please do that we always love getting letters from our listeners
0: I hear that your fourth listener loves talking to you about butt rockets and Yeti nipples. Yes. Yes. Because
1: of you, our podcast has been at the risk of getting an explicit tag.
0: You know, if that's what I'm known for on this podcast, I can live with
1: that. Ruining our family-friendly reputation with (laughs) you and Michael both with your butt (laughs) rockets and (laughs) your... Oh, man. So, so yes. Please, anybody who wants to send us some um, emails, our mailbag is always opened. KaijuWeekly at gmail.com. And so I think that's going to do it for this week. Um, The only other thing I need to do is to uh, hint to next week's episode with the trivia question. So our trivia question is the ant noises that we talked about from this movie are also used in what other giant insect arachnid, whatever you want to call it, giant bug movie. Uh, (laughs) So yeah, that it's, it's, they're featured in another giant monster movie. What, monster movie where they featured in. And we're going to have another special guest uh co-host and that is going to be Danny Demana from the Godzilla novelization project and we're going to talk to him next week all about Godzilla novelization project and uh stuff like that and along with the news and other things and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so before we end the episode i want to thank you elijah so much for being on the episode and filling in for that lazy bum michael who needed a vacation because podcasting is so hard and so difficult to just sit and talk about a movie that he couldn't do it anymore no i'm just kidding (laughs)
0: listen i think okay i i'm starting to believe michael does not want to talk to me on this podcast this is my second time being on and he just so happens to not be available i i'm gonna have to have a long talk with him
1: i know right <laughs> every time you're on he he, he mysteriously disappears it's almost right? like it's almost like you two are the same person <gasps> dun, dun, dun,
0: dun.
1: Dun. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and the plot thickens
1: Yep, (laughs) Michael is just your alter ego. Which one is the Batman and which one is the Bruce Wayne? so all right to close out thank you again elijah for joining us and thank you to everyone for listening and sharing this podcast with your friends we really appreciate it uh we always joke that there's not a whole lot of listeners but there really are we just we i just like to to kind of be a little irreverent at times and make fun of how we're not as big as some other giant monster uh podcasts but we have some great listeners. Um, if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can do that. We are at Kaiju Weekly. You can also follow Michael at Kaiju Groupie Pod uh, and also check out his podcast that he does that's separate from this Kaiju Groupie Pod, uh, the Kaiju Groupie Podcast, which Elijah has been a guest on, I think. Haven't you? I
0: have. Yeah. I
1: Yeah, so, uh, and then, you know, if you want to follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, if you want to check out the Kaiju Groupie Facebook group, all of the social medias for us are in the link to this episode, uh, are linked in the description of this episode, if I get that right. <laughs> uh, you can also send questions, comments, or answers to our trivia questions to our email, kaijuweekly at gmail.com. We also want to say a big thank you to our Patreon supporters, Alex and Shijir. Um, we lost one of our supporters it has been a supporter for a long time, Thorax. Uh, haven't heard back from him on on what's going on I just wanted to message him and make sure everything's okay with him uh but we want to thank him for all the support he has given us but also want to thank the ones who are still supporting us Alex and Shijir I also there may be some news coming up soon about our patreon I'm not sure if we're going to continue our patreon for much longer we may end up getting rid of our patreon um so stay tuned for that because one reason because a we don't have uh, we don't have a lot of supporters of of the two that are still supporting us alex and shijir only one of them i think even listens to the podcast um and uh and so you know we just and, and also trying to uh make bonus episodes and put out the episodes early and all of the things that we had as rewards for our Patreon supporters was really hard and we weren't really keeping up with it as well as we should have been. So um, there we may end up getting rid of Patreon altogether and you can just support the podcast in other ways. Um, so stay tuned for that. But if you, if you want to change our mind on that, you can always go and support us at patreon.com slash pod. If we get a surge of new uh, supporters, I may change my mind. <laughs> <laughs> And also, uh, they can, anybody can support us by just leaving us a five-star rating on your app. Um, I know Apple, uh, the Apple Podcast app, you can do it just in the app. Leave us a five-star rating. You can write a review. You can criticize us all you want. But if you you give us a five-star rating, we will make sure to read it out on the podcast. And we will take whatever criticism you give us to heart. We promise, even even the backhanded compliments like Elijah <laughs> has given us in the past. <laughs> and so, uh, to close out this episode, I'm going to say, help control the giant ant population. Have your what was the word? Farm farmidae? Have your formida spayed Spade for Missa day. day. or neutered. Bye, everybody.